And Lord, when the enemy comes, as we know that he will, Lord, just as Peter walked on the water, Lord, help us not to be distracted by the things that are buffeting against us. But Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. God, I pray this for each and every individual, each and every family in here today. Lord, that we experience this more. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God, as we enter into this time of teaching, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, that it will be acceptable in your sight. For, God, you are our strength and our redeemer. And it is in your precious name that we do humbly pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. Come on, give this worship team a hand. Thank you. Amen. Well, good afternoon to you. Okay, well, maybe not then. Maybe not. Let's, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's good to see your faces this morning. I said afternoon. It's still morning. Um, and so, um, so it's good to see you. And um, I, I want to echo the uh, sentiments of uh, Kat when she was up here just a moment ago and uh, just express how proud uh, we are of Talia, state champion. And uh, it's really, really cool. Um, to, uh, to, to see that and um, just wanted to know that we're proud of her, um, especially because many of us know the hard work that she put in to get there. And uh, she didn't just show up uh, at the uh, track meet yesterday and just win. Uh, she was working and working hard and training. And um, it was a wonderful illustration about how victory comes to us when we fully apply ourselves uh, to that which we're called to. So uh, give her a hand one more time. And uh, today we, uh, we continue in our series of uh, freedom. Um, for the next few weeks, it is our hope to show you how to move basically from one place to another. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I defined a problem for you. A problem is essentially this. It is the gap between where you are and where you desire to be. And so uh, the first week we talked about being freed from condemnation. And then uh, last week, Pastor Matt shared with us how to be freed from the boundaries of this world. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about freedom from powers and principalities. I am so excited about this today. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Colossians uh, chapter 2. Just one verse that will open. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version today, just in case. And of course, as always, it will be available for you on the screen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. This is what you'll find. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen. I'm not sure if you know it or not, but I, I grew up in what you consider a charismatic tradition. Um, we believed certain things about the world, and you could tell whenever uh, you came around. Um, Basically, we believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, we did back in the day. Uh, we believed that not only there was power in the Holy Spirit, but we believed that the Holy Spirit manifested itself in a number of different ways. One of those ways we, we, we call the spiritual gifts. 
And um, that's a topic that makes many people nervous when we talk about it today because we're so smart uh, that we're even too smart for our faith at times. We, 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 we believe these things, and it influences every activity of our lives. And, uh, and I've got some friends who are theological giants, and uh, they debate with me over and over again. But, you know, over time, as you get a little older, you know, you got a little, little bit more traction on your tires, uh, you get too old to argue. And so uh, I, I stopped arguing with people about this for many years because uh, my posture at this point is you can debate me backwards and forwards, but you cannot change what my eyes have seen. I, I just want to testify for you just for a moment about what I experienced growing up, man. I, I was there. This isn't hearsay. This isn't a third-person account, but I, I, w I was in the room when a lady was healed of cancer. I was there. I was there. I was present. I know the story. I know her background. I know the history. I know the reports of the doctor's visits, and I know the clean bill of health, Lord, that came after she experienced a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just telling you what I experienced for myself. I, I was in an environment where a lady not only spoke in tongues, but then followed it up and interpreted every word that came out of her mouth. I was there, y'all. I'm telling you, this isn't just something that I heard about, something somebody told me about. It was something that I experienced myself. I've seen it, man. I, I've seen and I've heard prophecies, and I've seen them spoken, and I've also seen them manifested. Like, I've, I've experienced this personally, and I've seen it in the lives of other people. And so I, I don't have to debate this with people. I, I just know it to be true because I've seen it for myself. And I know some of you right now probably have an intellectual fit trying to figure out, should you or should you not agree with me on what I'm talking about? And I'm going to be honest with you, you don't have to. I I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm only sharing with you what I have experienced for myself. I, I, I grew up, man, in an old charismatic church. We were considered Baptocostal. That's how they refer to us, man. We, we believe wholly in the word of God, but we also believe in the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. My old pastor, he, he would do what we would call Terry for the Spirit, which is basically this. The program is out the door if the Holy Spirit isn't present in the place. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit ain't always here. You know, sometimes, sometimes, man, we're just in here, and it's just us in our flesh. And, and our, our, our old pastor would say, listen, we are not going to move any further in this worship experience until the Holy Spirit comes. And he wasn't lying. We would sit there, and we would pray, and we would worship. And I'm trying to tell you, man, to see the room. I remember as a kid, man, just being mesmerized by it, man. People would shout. And I, I, I love a good shout. I'm personally not a shouter, but, man, I love to see some good shouting. Not only would people shout, man, people would just prostrate themselves before the Lord, and they would weep, and they would cry, or maybe some people would just rock back and forth in their chairs. They just didn't have anything to say. Some people would just open up their arms and open up their eyes and just stare into the heavens in a gaze. And, and what you would experience, no matter what their posture was, everybody had a singular mindset, and that was this. Holy Spirit, we are going to wait for you to move and to show up in this place and do something in the lives of God's people. Listen, my goal today, honestly, is not to 
try to convince you about whether or not the Holy Spirit moves. Some of my friends believe that the gifts of the Spirit died with the apostles. I'm trying to figure out if I've seen all these miracles, how come they didn't die with the apostles as well? I'm just, I'm just a little curious about some of these things. I don't want to argue with you because that's not what I'm here for today. My, my job today, Matt gave me my preaching assignment, and he told me, don't try to convince you to believe like me. Here's what I'm bringing up today and why I bring up that argument. There are a lot of people, and this really befuddles me, I'm really curious about this. There are a lot of us who proclaim to be followers of a supernatural God, but still struggle with the supernatural. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. You mean to tell me that you believe in a God who has no beginning and no end, who sits up high but we cannot see him, who holds the world in the palm of his hands, and yet when I talk about God can do miracles, you're like, well, I, I, just, I just don't know if I believe in that. Well, what's the point of having a God? If your God is limited in nature and limited in power, What's the point of it if you don't believe that your God cannot do what seems to be impossible by man? Why even believe at all? I'm good, actually. I don't need to hear it unless you're doing it for them. That, that's something that really puzzles me over and over again. That's part of the reason, honestly, uh, while we joined uh, the denomination we did. One of the reasons why we became members of the Evangelical Covenant Church was because I wanted to be a part of a place where they have, which is one of the core values of our denomination, a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. I, I, listen, I love intelligence. I love smart people. I love to be able to dialogue about some of the most difficult theological conversations. But man, at some point in time, I got to put all that down. At some point in time, I got to say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't know how. God, I don't know why. God, I cannot explain it, but Holy Spirit, man, you do some amazing things. Holy Spirit, I need for you to do what I cannot do myself. Holy Spirit, I need you to heal where the doctors have lost power. Holy Spirit, I need you to change communities because hate is all around. Holy Spirit, I need you to save my brother, my sister, my cousins. Holy Spirit, I need you to do what man cannot do by themselves. At some point in time, I'm not smart enough to get it, and I just got to depend on the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf. Yeah, there's a, a great Presbyterian uh, revivalist, Charles Finney, man, saved thousands of people, man, in his revivals, and he talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Charles says. He says, that went through me, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and it seemed body and soul. I immediately found myself endued with such power for on high that a few words dropped here and there to individuals were the names of their immediate conversion. My words seemed to fasten like barbed arrows in the souls of men. They cut like a sword. They broke the heart like a hammer. Multitudes can attest to this. Sometimes I will find myself in a great measure of empty of this power. I will go and visit and find that I made no saving impression. I would exhort and pray with the same results, I would then set apart a day for private fasting and prayer. And after humbling myself and crying out for help, the power of the Holy Spirit will return upon me with all its freshness. And this has been the experience of my life. Sometimes, man, you don't have it. Sometimes you don't have the words. Sometimes you don't have the knowledge. Sometimes you don't even know where to begin. And sometimes 
you need what the Lord, what Jesus himself referred to as the intercessor, the Holy Spirit, to go before you and do what you cannot do by yourself. I struggle with those of us who believe in the supernatural God but are skeptical of the supernatural. But that's not really the problem. The problem is the, isn't whether or not we believe in the supernatural and its possibilities. The real issue, and this is where our burden is for today's message, the real issue isn't whether or not you believe the supernatural is real. The burden, the problem, the issue that we have is the supernatural knows it's real and it's at work. <laughs> the enemy is at work. I'm, I'm not making it up, I promise you. I'm in scripture. The Bible clearly tells us about this. Here in our text today, they are referred to as principalities and powers. But this isn't the only place where we find this at work, where we find Paul teaching about this. In fact, Angel opened up our service with it today. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, listen to what Paul says at verses 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness, wickedness in heavenly places. Do you see that? Yeah. That the battle that we're facing, this spiritual battle, it is in fact a spiritual battle. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Therefore, when you respond in the flesh, you're not really fighting at all. Yeah. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places. Paul's warning is not about fear, but simply about awareness. That the enemy is currently strategically scheming against God's children. Now here's what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that every isolated event that causes you some trouble that you blame the devil for it. This doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean every time something happens that the devil is at work. Because honestly, some of the trouble that we experience in our lives, we bring it upon ourselves. Yeah, sometimes you're saying, not today, devil, and you need to be looking in the mirror, talking to yourself. Because oftentimes, if you, if you blow all your money and you don't have no money for the bills, the devil didn't have nothing to do with that. You blew your money. It's not always the devil. But also, also... It's not the devil's fault if you just stub your toe. You, you know, everything that happens, you didn't hit your toe. Oh, the devil, the devil that got my foot. The no, you just, you just stubbed your toe. I remember being at a youth ministry event, and I remember there were some dancers, and they gathered together, cute little babies, and they were about to dance before the congregation, and we were excited, and they sucked this is back in the day, 25 and over, back in the CD. Had CDs, right? Uh, and they had the CDs, and they put the CD in the CD player, and they played it. And about 30 seconds into the dance, the CD started skipping. Well, you know what we did back in the day? You, you stop it, you bring it out, you try to wipe it off, and you put it back in there, and you press play because wiping it off clear scratches, clearly. And so we put it back in, and of course, the same thing happens. 30 seconds into the dance, the CD started skipping again. We tried this about three or four times until finally the pastor got up in the pulpit and said, well, brothers and sisters, it looks like the devil doesn't want these babies to dance. To which me and my sarcasm sat in my seat and said, Pastor, the devil ain't got nothing to do with that scratched up CD. Whoever mistreated the CD didn't want the babies to dance. That ain't the devil's fault. 
We can't go blaming the devil for every petty thing that happens in our lives. There are just sometimes when things happen that the devil is influencing. He is not necessarily causing them to happen. My point is this, man. We often look for the devil in places where he's not, and we miss him in the places where he's actually active. See, the text here, the text here isn't talking about isolated incidents. It's talking about the attitudes, the atmosphere, and the things that lead to the behavior, not the behavior itself. That's why Paul also refers to in Ephesians chapter 2 as the devil, as the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air, because it's not that he forces, it's that he influences. You're looking at me like you don't get it, okay, um... I thought my sister was going to be here today. Let me, let me tell you about something she did to me when I was a teenager. Uh, she, she's seven years younger than me, and I, I remember when, when we were at home. This is on Muhammad Ali. My mom is here. Maybe she remembers this. We live on 23rd of Muhammad Ali, and, uh, and, and my sister played this game all the time where she would, she would knock on my door and she would run away. Now, now parenthetically, hold on real quickly. Um, I just learned talking to some of the younger generations, especially some of my vanilla brothers and sisters who grew up in the suburbs. Y'all caught this game, ding-dong ditch. I haven't the slightest idea. We didn't have doorbells, and so that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't apply. That wouldn't apply to us. We called it something else. I can't say it right now, but I'll, I'll tell you later. I'll tell, <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you later. Anyway, let me get back to my story. Let me get back to my story. Uh, here's, here's what my sister would do. She would, she would knock on my door, and she would run away. And, uh, and I would ignore her for as long as I could. But eventually, by the time I was at Popeye's level, I done had about all that I could take. I would step outside of my door, and I said everything that I was big and bad enough to say. Here's the problem. My room sat adjacent to the kitchen. And what she knew that I did not know was that Mama was in the kitchen. So what she was doing is was influencing me so that she could use me as an instrument so that I would wind up in trouble. Y'all miss it. What that means is this. What the enemy does is he does not force us to do anything. But he uses us as instruments of his influence so that you would find yourself where God is then disappointed, where sin has occurred, and you feel guilty and shamed and distant from God. He influences the behavior so that we can feel separated from our God. If you don't think I'm telling the truth, how about we just go right back to Genesis chapter 3. The serpent never forced Adam and Eve to do anything. The serpent simply influenced them with a couple of questions. Did God really say, will this really happen? You know, all God is afraid of it is if you do it, you'll be like him. You see that he was an influencer and he used Adam and Eve as the instruments of his influence. And so my question for you here this morning before we move on, where are the places where you are an instrument of the influence of the enemy? Where are you allowing him to use you? You know that saying, we oftentimes apply it to the Lord Jesus, our God. But sometimes, if I must be honest, we let the enemy use, let, let him use you. 
Yeah, let them let them use you in your relationships where you allow petty arguments and fights to divide you and the people that you love. Go on and let them use you. Go on and, and let them use you to spread hate in your families and in your community. Stop talking to people. Stop loving people. Stop acting like you're a believer. Go on and let them use you. Let them use you as an instrument of division so that people won't be able to see the God that's inside of you. Go ahead, chocolate people, and let them use you. Let them use you to give the same hate back to people whom you start then addressing an entire race and nation because you felt oppressed. Go on and let them use you, vanilla people. Let the enemy use you so that you don't see the pain of the oppressed people in our world. And my God, church body, the church of Jesus Christ, let them use us by petty, partisan, political arguments that keep us from advancing the mission of God. We are letting the enemy use us and keep us from what the Lord wants to do through us, being instruments of his influence rather than changing the world, changing our families, and changing our communities. Don't let them use you. We become instruments of the influence. That's why I say, man, it's so important that you guard your gateways. Yes. You got to guard what influences you. Maybe, maybe you're like me. I, I'm not mature enough to handle the immaturity of social media, so I'm taking it in small doses. I got to guard my gateways. What's, what's your gateways? Maybe you can't take the news. Cut it off. Guard your gateways. What, what are the things that influence you? Maybe it's certain people. I mean, listen, we are called to love all people that don't mean we got to be around all people. Sometimes, it might even be a family member. You just got, I can't listen. Special occasions, holidays, that's about all. I still love you. I just got to love you from afar. You got to guard your gateways. Maybe it's certain music. Man, listen, I'm a lover of hip-hop, but I can't listen to everything. Not because I'm so saved. I just got to guard my gateways, the things that influence me. You know what? Something else, brothers and sisters, we got to guard ourselves from. Not only from the, the, the instruments of media and all those things, we also got to guard ourselves, believe it or not, from bad theology. Woo, bad, bad theology. Because bad theology will have you believe in things about God that aren't true, trusting God for promises that he never made to you. Can I give you a couple examples, and I promise I'll move on? Listen, does every message have to be about how big God is going to bless you? You mean to tell me that the only word of prophecy the Lord gives you is God's going to bless you in another way? He's going to do things like he's never done before. There's a shift in the atmosphere. It's every time? You mean to tell me there's nothing else from Genesis to Revelation? Listen, there are people, man, who have very large platforms, and they are influencing the entire generation and culture, and I get it and I understand it, but the Bible that I read oftentimes, the prophets, when they came into the towns, the people were fearful about what the Lord was going to say through the prophets. And listen, don't nobody in here want to be blessed more than me. You don't want to be blessed. Nobody in here wants their children blessed more than I am. But I need a more robust word. A word that will help me stand firm because the enemy is busy. That ain't the only part. Those aren't the only ones out there prophesying. Oh, man, there's some other ones, man, who will say, listen, in order for the Lord to bless this country, we've got to do right by marriage. We've got to do right by the unborn babies. And we've got to protect our guns. Yeah, that's the way the Lord wants to bless his people is by making sure that America is great again. Let's do it again. That's, that's what we're saying. Listen, that is just as crooked as the other side. Give me something solid, something firm, something that believes and knows what the Lord is doing. Y'all think this is my opinion, don't y'all? I can see it in your faces. I promise you I'm still in the scripture. I promise you, check this out. Okay, we'll stay in Ephesians 6. 
What's in Ephesians 6? This is important. Check this out. Ephesians 6, Paul says, listen, we got to put on the whole armor of God. And listen to what he says. You, you guys are familiar with some of you. You've heard it before. But let me tell you what Paul is saying. He said, listen, put on the belt of truth, right? Yeah. He's saying this. Listen, I've got to stand firm. I can't stand firm and not be an instrument of the enemy's influence when I know the truth about my God. When I know the truth about my God, baby, you ain't got to lie to me. Just give me the truth so that I can stand firm and know what my attitude and identity ought to be before God. He also says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. This helps also so that we're not the instrument, but imitators of Christ's righteousness. We are clothes and supposed to be like Christ. And sometimes, in order to be an imitator of Christ, you've got to sacrifice your desire to be right and to be righteous instead. You've got to lay your desire to be right on the altar of Christ's righteousness in order to make it. That's why we can argue about every little petty thing in the world. I ain't got to be right. I just have to be like him. Then he also says, man, your feet got to be fitted with the gospel of peace. Well, listen, if I'm going to stand firm when the enemy is wreaking havoc in the atmosphere and in my world when depression and discouragement arises, when I am discouraged, the thing that I need to know is that there is something solid and something firm that I can stand on that whenever the wind blows, I am not swayed back and forth by it. When things aren't going well, I got to have my feet planted on solid ground. I've got to know that when life, and life happens, this is why I reject a lot of the prosperity gospel because it refuses to understand that life happens. Everybody's not going to be rich. Everybody is not going to be enormously blessed by the world's standards. That is not going to be everybody's testimony, but everybody can have a solid foundation that is found in the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, all right. Um, there was a couple who, uh, who took an Alaskan cruise, and it was a, they're, they're a ministry couple, and they took some of their partners in ministry, and, um, and they, they were there, and the second night, they, uh, they encountered a major storm. I mean, like 50-foot high waves. The boat was just going crazy on the waters out on the ocean. I mean, you know, things was falling off and breaking, and people were throwing up, and uh, man, it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. I'm good. Thank you. It was just a mess all over. Well, the wife of the husband who was, um, who was, who was leading as well, she, she got upset, and she decided to call the captain, and um, she called, and she says, let me speak to the captain, and they said, well, uh, the captain is out on the bridge. He's not going to be able to talk right now because he's busy fighting the storm, and uh, she says, well, listen, give him this message. Tell him that I am very displeased with this storm right now. That um, he's got all the equipment and he knew what was coming, my, coming our way. And he could have avoided this had he wanted to. Let him know my displeasure. Well, she expressed it and then a few minutes later the phone rang. And uh, the captain's assistant called and said, uh, Ma'am, well, I talked to the captain and he gave me two things to say to you. And she says, well, I'm listening. Uh, he said, the first thing is, uh, lady, uh, listen, there's no point in both of us being asleep. How about you being awake? You go to bed. He said, just, just go to sleep. And she says, well, why would he say that? She said, he knew you would ask that question. So the second thing he wanted me to tell you is this, is that uh, when this boat was built, this boat was built for storms. That when we put it together from the very beginning, 
We fashioned it in a manner that we knew that 50-foot waves and that the storms and the water would get difficult. We knew that from day one. That's why we kept pushing through the storm because the boat is built for the storm. The boat is built for the waves. The boat is built to stand firm in this. Well, brothers and sisters, what you need to know is that the gospel builds you for the storms of life. You were built to stand strong. You were built to keep moving. You were built so you won't break down. You were built to resist the enemy. You were built to stand up against temptation. And you don't have to have somebody lie to you to make you feel some euphoria feelings so that you can just move past. You can simply say, thus says the Lord that I have overcome the world. And because the Lord has overcome the world, I can too. Not only that, the last thing, the last thing is this. He also said, and lastly, the shield of faith. And in the Old Testament, the shield was a symbol of God's protection. Now, when you think about the shield, I want you to think about the small circular shields. Uh, the Roman shields of those, in those days were ones that could completely cover the entire body. So that you could hold the shield and that you could hide and you could cover yourself from whatever the enemy is throwing your way. The Paul writes and he says, keep your shield of faith. Your faith is something that allows you to stand and to withstand what the enemy is doing because the Lord is covering you wherever you go. The Lord is covering you wherever you go. Which brings us back to our original scripture for the day. And when I think about it, I guess I somewhat kind of reverse engineered this message. That you need to know and it's imperative that you know that there are things that are currently working against you. That is true. And I needed you to know that. But I only needed you to know that so that you would then also know that everything that's working against you, Jesus has already defeated. <laughs> it's, it's already defeated. Let me read the scripture again. He says, Having disarmed, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Check this out. Here's what Paul is describing. If you've ever seen like an old, old, old centurion movie, maybe like Gladiator or something, this is the scene that Paul is describing. He's describing Jesus as the general whenever the victorious armies would win the battle the general who led the armies into battle and were victorious would lead the armies from the front. And while he's in front, his armies and his soldiers are behind him singing songs of his glory, having disarmed them. They're singing right on Christian soldiers there. They are singing because the battle has been won. But not only that, what's behind the general and his army is also the defeated army that's behind them. <clears throat> they are now defeated. They have no more weapons. And they are now subject to the victorious army. What Paul is describing is basically that scene. That Jesus has victory over the devil. <clears throat> and what he's doing now is marching in front of God's people, letting them know that I've got victory over everything that once defeated you. And you don't have to worry about the enemy because the enemy is behind me as well. Now, I understand where you're yeah, like, listen, the enemy has to put down his weapons, and that makes sense. Even though the enemy is defeated, he's yet to concede, and that's okay. Because the devil doesn't have to concede to be defeated. 
What needs to happen is the people of God need to know that God has the victory. And we need to wake up every day knowing that God has the victory. So that when the enemy shows his head, we know that we have been empowered to stand strong against the devil's wills. Last point, I'll move on and we'll get out of here for the day. It's simply this. During a great revival, the very one that I talked about, Charles Finney, one of his great revivals, what happened then is there was a man who was a known drunk in the community, in the city where Charles Finney was. This known drunk went to the revival and received Jesus Christ and was chased on that day. Well, the known, known barkeeper that day noticed that this drunk hadn't been in the bar for a few days. But he kept noticing him walk past the bar and wouldn't come in. Finally, in frustration, because that was money walking past, the barkeep walked outside and said, Hey, brother, I haven't seen you in a while. Come on in here and get a drink. Come on in here and spend a little money with me. To which the guy says, No, nah, man, I, I, I'm not going to come in anymore. I received Jesus, and I ain't got to do that no more. He says, well, What do you mean I have to do no more? There's no way with your addiction that you can continue to walk by. He says, My dear brother, that's where you're mistaken. It is not I who walk by this bar every day, but it is we who walk by this bar every day. <clears throat> and every day we walk by healed and freed every day. We walk by knowing that I don't need this drink anymore every day. We walk by knowing that the Lord has healed and delivered me. What's your posture then? In front of the things that the enemy has used you for years, thinking that he's got you bound. What are you going to allow the Lord to fight with you? You don't have to be an instrument of the influence of the devil, but you can be an instrument of Jesus Christ. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord use you to defeat this hateful world. Let the Lord use you so you can stand firm against the wiles of the devil. Let the Lord use you to love people who are unlovable. Let the Lord use you so that we will no longer be a divided church. Let the Lord use you. And he will. And it's important time. Change our world. Change our hearts. Heal our communities. Jesus said, God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Humble ourselves. We lack a lot of humility. Because we're so busy trying to be right. Humble ourselves. Say, Lord, I can't do it without you but also seek his face and turn from our wickedness. That's repentance. Amen. And, and as good as we think we are, everybody in this room has something that we need to repent of. Yeah. Because everybody in here is a sinner saved by grace. I know that's a bad word today, right? We don't like to sin. You had an ethical eruption, a moral hiccup. No, baby, you're a sinner. And we need to turn from our wicked ways. Then and only then will God hear from heaven and he will heal our land. But first, let's humble ourselves. Then let's pray. Let's seek his face and let's turn from our sin and trust God to do what we cannot do ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's get ready to go home. Thank you, Tashawn. Go ahead, right quickly. Um, stretch your hands out and grab the hand of your neighbor. Because I'm going to ask you to pray. 
for some specific people in here today. <clears throat> and actually, um, Martin, I'm going to need you. Can, you. can you stand over to the rear for me? Angel, you there? Cat, yes, take a corner for me. I'm sorry. There may be somebody in here today who needs to respond. You've been allowing the powers and the principalities to influence you. But you want to be faithful. You want to be the person that you know God called you to be. Well, I say today, let's not move forward without saying, God, I'll give you my all. So I'm going to pray. And Joy's about to sing. The worship team's about to sing. And in the rear, we've got Angel, we've got Martin, and we've got Cat over here. They are there for you. Now, I'm going to pray, and there's going to be a lot of things running through your head. Let that go. Because part of the influence, the trick of the enemy, is to prevent you from moving forward. Don't allow him to fool you of this opportunity. So even if I have not completed the prayer, if you feel like it, move. If you feel like moving now, move now. But let's not leave today the way that we came in. Baby, you've yet to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, today's the day, man. Listen, let's do that. Let's celebrate with you. Or maybe it's just prayer. I just, I just need prayer. Maybe you don't even know what it is. You just know you need to move forward. Do so today. Let's pray. Lord, there are powers and principalities at work that are trying to keep us from you. But I pray for my sister and my brother who is in here today. God, who needs to move forward so that they can receive you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give them strength and boldness, that you soften their hearts, you open them up to the change that can only come through you. That they receive you today in Jesus' name. Lord, give them the strength to say, God, I cannot do it alone. And Holy Spirit, I need you to go with me. Today, Jesus, may they move. Trusting you. See your name that we do pray. Amen. The councils are there. Come on, let's move.